Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Great to be with you this morning. My name is Bronson. I am the pastor of our Melbourne location along with my beautiful wife, Gabby. We're so glad that you have joined us today as we continue and finalize our series on relationships And we've just spent the last three to four weeks looking at that. Week one, we looked at intimacy in our relationships. That is the endeavor of all relationships, to have intimacy with another person. Week two, we looked at how to do conflict well. Conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. And then last week, we looked at fighting for our families. If we fight for our families, God will fight for us. And so I just want to encourage you, if this message, if this series spoke to you, would you share it with someone? Share with a family member, a friend. They can watch it on YouTube. They can download the podcast. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you have enjoyed this series in the chat room right now, why don't you just say some things that have been really good for you, some key points that you've taken a hold of and applying to your life. And we would love to see that. Church, let's pray right now. God bless our time together today. I pray for every family, every couple, every single that is watching or listening to this. I pray your hand upon their life, your favor, God, your blessings, your healing, your provision, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. When I was three, my parents separated. And I don't remember a lot about that time, but I do know that I went to live with my biological mum and my twin brother went to live with my dad. And my mum, my biological mum, she tried really hard. She did the best that she could. But until the age of about nine or 10, I grew up in a quite dysfunctional home. There was domestic violence, there was drugs and all types of different things. And it just wasn't the greatest environment. Well, at the age of 10, I moved from my mum to live with my dad. And uh, that was a real change for me. There were some adjustments that I needed to make. I didn't know my dad. I didn't remember him. I didn't know his wife, who I now call mum, who I love very much. And I didn't know my twin brother very well either. So there was a lot of adjustments that I had to make. But the biggest adjustment for me, the, the biggest realization that I had to make was, was to realize that I thought I had been in a normal home with, with the violence and the drugs and the dysfunction. I thought that that was a normal home life, but it wasn't actually normal at all. See, it took me from going from one environment to another environment to realize I'd been missing out on a healthy home. I want to ask you what kind of home life did you grow up in? Maybe you experienced divorce or separation of your parents. Perhaps there was family violence or abuse. Maybe your parents were together, but they were really apart. There was no love in the, in the marriage. Maybe you grew up in a healthy home which is so great. No matter what your experience was or what your experience might be, because you might still be in that place today, I want to uh, encourage you and I don't want to diminish, uh, uh, diminish, your, diminish your experiences, but I want to let you know this. No matter what home life you find yourself in right now, God is with you. He is able to bring healing to your life He is able to restore and mend broken hearts, uh, wounds in your life. He is able to change your home life to a place of hope, love, and health. And I think that we would all agree that we want healthy homes, healthy, loving homes. Uh, The struggle is knowing where we want to be and how do we get there. 
Like, how do I go from where I am right now in my home life to where I would like it to be? How do I bridge that gap? And we need to realize this, church, that every family has different dynamics. Every family will look slightly different than the other. The practical details will vary from one family to the next. I, I learned this myself with my own family. Uh, what worked for my parents doesn't work for me. And I remember growing up that my dad, he, he was a, a quite a strict man. He was quite firm. Uh, and when he said something, you did it. When he asked you to do something, you said, yes, dad. And you did it. You didn't wait. You didn't make up your mind whether you would or you wouldn't. You just did it. And so I thought that when I came to raising my kids, it would be exactly the same. But what I've discovered is it's different. There's a different dynamic in my home. My kids are a little bit slower to respond to me telling them to do something. There seems to be a bigger battle of the wills. I don't know if that says something about me as a parent or my children who I love very much, but it is different than the home that I grew up in. So you know, family to family, there will be little nuances, little differences, little things that are slightly different, unique. What, might, what works in one family may not work in another. But I believe that there are some common characteristics that a godly Christian family can have, some common characteristics in a Christ-centered home to help a home be healthy and strong and whole as it should be. And so I'm gonna list, I wanna talk about some of these things today, four areas. Uh, one area which we're not gonna delve into, but the first area is really uh, spiritual disciplines, praying, reading our Bible, attending church, doing those things. Uh, it's so important, parents, uh, we need to be doing this. Uh, we're not gonna go into any detail, I think you know that. So just wanna encourage you that today. Four other areas that we can write down today, if you're taking notes, Write this down. To have healthy homes, we need, number one, joy. Come on, say it with me. We need joy. Pause for a moment. I want to ask you a really serious question now. Have you ever dreamt about winning Tats Lotto? Now, I know, I know we're not supposed to talk about gambling in church, and I'm not condoning it in any way, but have you ever thought about how your life might be different if you won the $20 million Powerball prize or the $20 million tax lotto prize. Like how different would your life be? There's surveys that have been conducted on people who would who ask them, how would your life change if you won uh, tax lotto? And, and they, they, said, they said things like, I could pay off debts. I could buy a home for my parents. I'd go on a trip around the world. You know, I'd save and invest some money. They talked about how they'd go on a holiday, buy a European sports car. They talked about how it would totally change their lives. Imagine the excitement, the happiness to know you've got all this money sitting in the bank account. Well, you know, for all the excitement and happiness that having money in the bank account might bring or lack <laughs> may not bring, I want to tell you something today. It pales in significance compared to the prize we have already won. What we already have is to know Jesus Christ. If you follow him today, that is the greatest thing that you could ever experience. We have a destiny in Jesus. We've been forgiven of our past. We've been set free from the consequences of sin. We're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. We have a high priest who intercedes on our behalf day by day to the Father. We have an enemy, the devil, who has been defeated. We've been given new life. This is amazing. It's so good. 
Maybe today you don't know Jesus in this way. Maybe today it's the first time you're tuning into church or you've been part of church for a long time, but you've never really experienced this joy that I'm talking about. Today I want to give you an opportunity at the end of my message to receive Jesus Christ into your life and to experience what I've just spoken about. See, when we keep all that God has done for us at the front of our minds, there will be gratitude, thankfulness, and a joy in our lives. Joy is not happiness. Joy is not about being happy. See, happiness is based around happenings. If good things are happening, I'm happy. But if bad things are happening, then I'm not happy. No, joy is different. Psalm 4, 7 You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abounds. Let me put it into context of the story I just gave. They they may have won Tats Lotto, but God, you've put more joy in my heart than those people have. See, joy is deeper than happenings. Joy finds its, its well deep in knowing who Jesus is and what he has done and who we are in them. In him, joy knows that even in trials and hardship, it can abound, it can overflow, it can bring a smile to our face, it can bring a feeling of gratitude in our hearts, and it can provide us power to continue through what we're going through, what we're facing, what we're enduring. God's joy is strength to our lives. Psalm 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice O righteous and sing for joy, all you upright in heart. Maybe today you're like, I want to have joy, but I don't know how to get joy. I don't know how to have joy in my life. Here's what you need to do. You need to ask God, God, give me your joy. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I need the joy of the Lord in my life. Speak joy out over your life. Today, God, I declare I will live in an attitude of joy over my home, over my life, over my children, over every area of my life. I choose to be glad in you, God. I choose to make joy the default of my life. God, send me, give me your joy. Here's another thing you can do. Get around joyful people. Get around people for an enthusiasm for life, a joy around what God has done for them, a joy about what God is leading them through. Put some praise music on. Download some podcasts of preachers. Brunson Blackmore. Download some podcasts of amazing preachers and who can inspire and bring joy in our lives. We want joy in our homes, church. We want joy in our lives. We we want our homes to be a place when we open them up again, when we can invite people into our homes again, we want them to come along and say things like, man, what is going on here? I need what is in this home. How come they're so happy? No, we're not happy. We're joyful. We've got God's joy in our lives. No matter what comes our way, joy is our default. So if we want to have... um, Healthy homes, we need joy in our lives. Number two, we need grace. Grace. The home should be a safe place to mess up, to fail, to make mistakes. The home should be a retreat somewhere where when you do something wrong, it's okay, you're still loved, and you're still accepted, and you're still part of the family. And yet, home can sometimes be the most brutal most harsh, most judgmental place in the world, more harsh 
and judgmental than the world out there. What is grace? Well, there's an acrostic that we use. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. God gives us the richness of his, whatever he has, whatever area that he needs to show us at the expense of Christ. God, grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from your own selves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. No one can boast. God gives us all of himself. He gives us all of his spiritual blessings, all of who he is, salvation, love, forgiveness, anointing, healing, power, new life, promises, peace at the expense of Christ at the pain and suffering that Jesus occurred at the cross, at the separation he experienced when the sins, your sins and my sins, come upon him in the cross and and God turned his back on Jesus at Christ's expense. It is undeserved. It is unmerited. That's grace. I wonder if you've ever had a revelation of how much you don't deserve God's forgiveness and salvation and yet because of God's amazing grace towards you, you have it. Church, none of us deserve God's favor on our lives, his forgiveness. But because of God's amazing grace for us, he gives it to us. And and I ask this, what is the revelation of that outworking? If you know it, how is that outworking in your own life? My oldest child, Joelle, started a job recently, a part-time job at McDonald's, she's 15 and she's so excited about working there and, and, and receiving a, a salary, receiving money in the bank when she works. And she started off in the position of the fryer. So cooking up the French fries, uh, that's it, just the French fries, no hash browns, but the French fries. And so she's been doing that. And then this coming week, she's moving to the front counter. And so she's excited to be moving from the back out to the front counter. And uh, she's really looking forward to that. Well, this week we had to pick her up early from her shift at work. And the reason was because she burnt her arm on the fryer basket. Somehow it touched her arm and she burnt it. And so uh, the McDonald's called us up. We picked her up, uh, ran water across the arm to, to uh, stop the burning sensation. And then after it had gone down a little bit, we put on some aloe vera gel on the burn uh, in the chat room. If you've ever used aloe vera gel, can you put a hand up right now and say, I've used that? That stuff's amazing. We use it all the time for burns, sunburn, things like that. The thing about aloe vera gel is that you have to apply it liberally, but you can't apply it sparingly. The idea is to put a lot of that gel in so that the skin soaks it up, so it takes out the heat. Apply the gel liberally to get the best effect. Just like I applied aloe vera gel liberally to Joel's arm, we should apply grace liberally to the wounds, burns, hurts, hearts of our loved ones and our own heart. Let me say it again. We should apply grace liberally to the wounds, burns, hurts, hearts of our loved ones and our own heart. You messed up? We all mess up. You hurt me, grace says, let's put that behind. Uh, You let me down, uh, let's move forward. Put this cream of grace on, apply it liberally. Number two, if we want to have healthy homes, let's look at number three, communication. 
communication. Uh, early in my marriage, I made a lot of mistakes. And if you ask my wife, Gabby, she's probably saying I'm still making mistakes. But early in my marriage, I definitely made a lot of mistakes and, and hopefully they're getting less and less now. But I remember one, locate, uh, one time, one particular time, uh, I made a mistake with my wife, Gabby. We've been married for a couple of years and it was coming up to Valentine, Valentine's Day romantic day and Gabby went to all this effort made this incredible dinner a three-course meal there was wine candlelit uh, music classical music playing in the background just a beautiful environment that she created she gave me this wonderful card with all these beautiful words written on it it was really something special it was really amazing and so much effort wow well after dinner I did something, you know, kind of stupid. I said, thank you for a great dinner. And then I went into the study and I jumped onto my computer and I played computer games for the rest of the evening. And for some reason, that didn't go down very well, church. I don't know what went wrong. Can someone help me out what went wrong? Men, don't do this. Young person, if you're not married yet, don't do this. Husband, don't do this. To your wife you know what i could have avoided that stupid mistake if i had been communicating better to my wife if i had been speaking to her in the lead up to dinner hey gab what are we looking to do on valentine's day and she could have said to me bronson i'm going to cook this amazing dinner please i want us to spend it together um, uh, together so we can have a romantic evening and then i would have known i would have known to spend that time with my wife George Bernard Shaw says, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that has taken place. We think we've communicated something, but we actually haven't. Communication is vital to healthy homes, for spouses to communicate openly and freely with each other, for children to be allowed to converse openly and freely with their parents, and I need to do better in that area, and a lot of the issues in our homes could be resolved sooner or avoid it altogether if we talked more openly and more freely with each other, if we didn't make assumptions, if we talked about our expectations. In a healthy home, no question is inappropriate, no, op no opinion is disrespected, no subject is considered off limits, important life-determining subjects are intermingled with the mundane topics of life in a home that is communicating well with each other. We spend time together in communication, conversation, talking, and this helps us learn more about each other, about their feelings, opinions, concerns, about their dreams and aspirations and perspective. Communication is so much more about listening than it is about talking. Often we think communicating is talking. Well, it's just as much, and if not more, about listening as well. In a healthy home, we focus on building each other up by the words that we speak. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In a healthy home, we speak truth to each other in love. Ephesians 4.15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is risen, that is Christ. We need homes that build each other up, that speak truth in love, that are communicating 
with each other. Fourthly and finally, to have a healthy home, we need service. Philippians 2.5, in your relationships with, another, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What is this verse saying to us? Basically, it is saying this. Jesus humbled himself to serve his father, God. He served God to the point of putting himself to death. What does this mean for us? It means dying to ourselves and our desires to serve our home, to serve our friends, to serve others in our lives. This is so powerful and yet so very, very challenging. If I can put my hand up today, to be honest with you, church, I can sometimes not feel like doing what my wife or what my children ask of me. I sometimes don't feel like serving them. Sometimes Gabby or my kids will ask me to do something. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I've got my own plans. This is inconvenient. I just, I just, I just don't have the time at the moment. I just can't be bothered. Let's be honest today. You know, it's going to change all these things. It's annoying. It's frustrating. But you know what? I need to be serving my family. Home is a place of serving, of serving others. And husbands, serve your wives. Wives, serve your husbands. Parents, serve your children. Children, serve your parents and your siblings. Serve those in your home, those part of your family. Young, serve the old. Old, serve the young. Die to self and serve others. Did you know that even in the mundane duties of doing normal life, of laundry, housekeeping, Mowing the lawn, these are acts of service. These acts of service can be sacred, can be holy. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. When we serve our homes, our family, we're serving God. Let me say it again for someone in the back. When we serve our family, when we serve our homes, we're serving God. There's no other higher calling than serving him. And you don't have to be in ministry. You don't have to be a past, pastor or be on staff at a church to serve God. You can serve him as you serve your family. John Wesley, one of the great uh, preachers and, and, and men from the, uh, uh, the Great Awakening in, the, in, the, in America, he says this, or, or Britain, he says it's one of the principal rules of religion is to lose no occasion of serving God. And since he is invisible to our eyes, we are to serve him in our neighbor, which he receives as if done to himself in person, standing visibly before us. We can't see God, but we can see the person in front of us. We can, serve, we can see their needs. We can serve them. It's as if we are serving God himself. Today, as I was preparing this message, as I was going through my notes, I want to let you know that I actually felt convicted in my own life. I actually felt convicted about how I am living and how I am leading my home. Healthy homes really start with healthy individuals. And I, I started to ask myself, Bronson, how's your joy? 
Like, how joyful are you, Bronson? Are you extending grace to your wife, to your children? Like, how are you communicating? What, what about your service? And I've got to be honest with you today and say that there's some areas that I'm not actually doing that great. I need to do better. I'm not doing my best. I can improve. But I can't do it in my own strength. You can't do it in your own strength. I've tried. I've failed. You've tried. You've failed. The only way that we can do this is with God's help, God's hand, God's direction, God's wisdom, that I would have joy and grace, that I would communicate and serve others because God is in me helping me to do that. My question for you as I finish today, how about you? Do you need more joy or grace in your life, in your family? Do you need to communicate more, to open up, to tell people, to speak to people? Perhaps you need to serve more the people around your lives. What about your home? Is it healthy? Do you, maybe today there's some families here. You need to call a family meeting after this service today. And you need to see family we need to speak about some things. Some things have got to change. We need to change some things. Joy, grace, communication, service. It might be something else for your family. As we look to bring health to others, and then our, sorry, as we look to bring health to ourselves and into our relationships and homes, we're also doing something else. As we bring strength to ourselves and health and in our homes, we're actually doing something else. You may not realize this, but we're actually bringing strength and health to the church. We're actually bringing strength and health. You are bringing strength and health to Elevation Church. Our church is only as healthy and as strong as the individuals, as healthy and as strong as the homes, the families that are part of Elevation Church. So let's have intimacy in our relationships. Let's do conflict well. Let's fight for our families. Let's ensure we have healthy homes and let's outwork this in all areas. In, in, let's outwork this in our church. Let's outwork this in our own lives, in our families, so that we can reach a world out there that needs the greatest relationship of all, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today as we finalize as we finish this series on relationships and we could speak about so many more things but Lord Jesus today I just pray God that over this last four weeks you've been speaking to our hearts you've been speaking to people's minds and husbands and wives and parents and children and friends and Christians you've been speaking to us Lord God I just pray right now today that in one of these areas Lord God intimacy conflict fighting for our families, healthy homes. I just pray in one of these areas, Jesus, you've spoken to each and every one of us. God, that in one of, these, one of these areas, each and every one of us has felt a conviction, felt a challenge, and has determined God today. Through your help, through your strength, I want to address this area in my life. And Jesus, today, as we've spoken about healthy homes, I just pray, Jesus, that our homes are joyful, that there is grace given, Lord Jesus, that we're communicating and talking, Lord Jesus, that we are serving each other. I pray for that right now, Lord Jesus. For every man, woman, and child that is asking for your help in those areas, Holy Spirit, empower them right now to do that. Today, maybe you're another person here. And as I'm talking about Jesus and God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know, this series is about doing healthy, stronger relationships, but really, the greatest relationship that you have is not with some person 
but is with a God, a man. He was a person and his name is Jesus Christ. Today, I want to give you that invitation to enter into a relationship with him. And to do that, you just invite him into your life. You have to admit a few things. First, you have to admit that you're a sinner, you've done wrong. You have to admit that you need someone to save you, that you are not able through your own good deeds to save yourself and you need a savior. I'm happy to tell you, his name is Jesus Christ. And if you invite him onto your life, not only will you enter into a relationship with him and God and the Holy Spirit, but you'll enter into so many other things that God wants you to receive in this life and in the next. And you will join a church family, a church community that loves you, that wants the best for you, that will come alongside you and walk with you and journey with you in the walk of being a Christian. So today, if that's you, I want you to pray a prayer with me. It's a very simple prayer. Repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Be my savior. Come into my life. One more time. Dear Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Be my savior. Jesus, right now, any person who's prayed that today, I pray right now that you come upon their lives, that right now they're experiencing your forgiveness of sins. Right now they're experiencing your transformation, making them into a new creation. Right now they're experiencing uh, the beginning of a relationship with you. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, uh, empower their life this week to have victory over the sin in their life, to leave the past behind, to step into the new life as a follower of Jesus Christ. I thank you for this in your mighty name. Amen.